We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lucky Podcast, the Anora Boys in the building. Yes, sir. Brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, make sure you do so. Responsibly. You got to do it responsibly. CFB Nation, presented by Twisted. Yeah, especially today. Let's go. Hey. Hey. Don't forget Apple Podcasts, Spotify, audio edibles every day, man. Every flipping day. It's a Lucky Lefty podcast. You already know. We spin it different. Man, look, Left. I would like to say this. I know we have football to talk about. But, man, I was flipping back and forth because Kansas and UConn gave us almost a classic in Fog Allen. Basketball, right? Man, and then the Big Ten regulars, I mean, uh, conference season opened last night. Indiana handled Maryland and then the Northwestern Wildcats. Yeah, Did you see no. uh, Harvard giving us the, uh, Indiana some issues at first? Oh, that, that was this weekend. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was early. I think that was Sunday. They got that boy out. He over there cooking from Maryland. He's yeah. a Harvard point guard freshman. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, absolutely. But the Northwestern Wildcats, bro, pull off the upset at home at Welsh Ryan, 92-88 in overtime, bro. And it was the game of the night. Nothing was close. Game of the night. Nothing was close to this game, bro. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Chris Collins is doing an absolute amazing job. An amazing job, man. They made the tournament last year, and they kind of exposed Purdue, bro, defensively. Yeah, I mean, you know, those 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 places usually find those really good coaches. They just don't have the overall talent to supersede them. That's all it is. Northwestern, you might have heard of it. It's another great place. To get a great education that exists in the world. They got a good basketball program? It's better. <laughs> hey, Paulo, don't be disrespectful like that. It's not Collins from Duke. It's Collins from Chicago. Get it right. <laughs> get it right. We're not going to start that. It's too early this morning. Not going to start that? That's right. <laughs> It is not Coach Collins from Duke. It is Coach Collins from Chicago. That's, that's right. Mr. Illinois. Like, let's get it. Let's, come on now. Is it going to be – you think the basketball season is going to be pretty tough? Because, you know, college basketball gets harder to follow unless you're a fan of a specific team until the tournament. So do you think it's going to be pretty lit this year? I mean, if Purdue's number one team in the country, then I think it's up for grabs for anybody. Yo, bro, it is uh, it's interesting because I was watching the game, and we can get into it because it's very interesting, bro. So you know what time it is. What's smoke? Left, I was thinking about the tournament and expansion that's coming next year. And you know what the biggest complaint from people has been? The semifinal games in the college football playoff have been snoozers. You know what? That happens every year in the NCAA tournament. You have lower seeds advance. Then they get to the Elite Eight or the Final Four against really good teams, and they get smacked. It happens all the time. I've never seen a year where people try to yawn and get upset about the championship game 
last year as if TCU didn't smack Michigan in the semifinals. That's right. Yeah, like that's right. TCU, forgot. That's, that's why Florida State shouldn't get in this year. Look what happened to TCU. Oh, you mean a TCU team that smacked Michigan? Smacked them. See, what last year proved is that Georgia was just head and shoulders better than everybody. Yeah, Georgia was so much better that the, the playoff games you overlooked. So you didn't even consider what would happen of the other three teams in the tournament outside that Ohio State game because you knew Georgia just had that switch. And it was only one or two players in college football at that time that could even present Georgia a problem and they played in that playoff game with Ohio State. But Max Dugan, absolutely no chance. He and don't what, got enough quarterback skill. What made Georgia, what made Ohio State dangerous was the same thing that allowed Alabama to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Elite quarterback play, two really good wide receivers. Ohio State had the exact same thing. Generational quarterback. Yes. And two really good receivers. Two attack of Iloa. Had Jay, Judy, Devontae Smith, right? Davidson Williams is in there. You got Michi. And it felt like they could go toe-to-toe with Georgia as well. So it really takes uh, for you to have that quarterback, those receivers, and even a decent O-line. Because at the end of the day, Georgia's D-line is just going to get some sacks. That's just what it is. You're going to have to live with the fact that they're going to put you on the ground a couple times, but you're going to have some availability because your secondary isn't everything that's cracked up to the, the, the front seven is. Mm-hmm. So there are some teams. You brought up, we're going to talk about the Huskies in a minute. Uh, Frank McCaffrey makes a valid point. Uh, this year might be better. Quarterback play on all teams involved. If Texas gets in, oh boy, that defensive line is nasty. Yeah, but Quinn Ewers has to, he has to play. Quinn Ewers is nice. Quinn Ewers has to have the game of his life, man. It just is what it is. There, look, the Georgia secondary is usually vulnerable, but if you don't have the playmakers to take advantage of it, what does it mean? What does it mean? Let's look at the teams that have the best shot to get into the college football playoff. Um, Carson Beck has a couple more years. We'll see what scouts think about him pretty much after this weekend. It's hard. It's going to be hard to read for him. I think if he just does his job, he'll be fine. But in terms of the talent-wise, he's – similar to a J.J. McCarthy. I think J.J. can run a little bit better, but they're two of the same cast. J.J. McCarthy is forecasted to be a first-round pick. Michael Penix forecasted to be a first-round pick. Oregon is not in the picture any longer, but Bo Nix forecasted to be a first-round pick. Quinn Ewers forecasted to be a first-round pick. Jalen Milrow is not forecast to be a first-round pick, but heck, he's a heck of a play. Playmaker. Jane Daniels, first-round pick projection. Yeah, Heisman candidate, right? Heisman candidate. Even though LSU is not in the picture. 
Ohio State is really the only team that still has a shot at the college football playoff that does not have elite quarterback play. Well, according to college football people, analysts, people could argue that Kyle McCord is elite for this year due to him winning the games he's won. So, I mean, if you're going to call J.J. McCarthy elite, you got to call Kyle McCord elite. Hey, I look, I'm not about to argue with you, bro. I don't like either. So I don't like either. <laughs> what's your point, FB, this morning? My point is, look, man, you need talent at key positions to win championships, man. That's right. Like what, dude? You need it's elite talent, bro. Right? George Travis was elite at the college level. He had elite talent at the wide receiver position. I really don't think Florida State could have given Georgia an issue. Because I'm, I'm just not sure in Jordan Travis's pocket ability. Yeah, he's a little he's a little stiff in that pocket now. He's not a fluid type of guy. He's more sturdy, stronger, a little stiffer, as you can tell. I mean, you gotta be stiff to have a guy do that to you on your ankle. You know, mm-hmm. it just looks like a hard fall. You know, some guys just fall like Tyler Buckner. He just falls hard. You're like, damn, man. <laughs> <laughs> he tackles you, but you. It feel like you feel like it, that hurt, you know, one of those kind of things. So I do think that there's a lot of elite talent at the quarterback position, and it definitely I love the fact that it was able to separate itself in a year where, you know, you're going to have to win every week. Every week is a challenge. I think Michael Penix showed the, the toughest uh, sled to be able to get that done, and, and then shout out to the team around him to be able to, support that. I mean, you talk about two well-rounded teams, Georgia and Washington, definitely have been able to prove that this year. So, um, let me tell you something, share with you a conversation I had after the Pac-12 championship game on Twitter. We had a Notre Dame fan who watches us all the time argue that we're way off with Sam Hartman, because basically he blamed everything with the offense on Jared Parker. That's the point. And his point was that Notre Dame had an accomplished quarterback, talented running backs, and talented wide receivers. And they're at home while Caleb DeBoer who has two losses in two years, by the way. And those two losses came after Michael Penix, or one of those two losses came after Michael Penix got injured last year. That's right. And he said Marcus Freeman was a better coach than Caleb DeBoer. That was the first thing that made me laugh, because I was like, based Mm. upon what? 
Based on what, yeah. Caleb DeBoer turned around Indiana. Turned around Indiana, though. That's And this dude has two losses at Washington. It's like, you know, what are we what are we talking about? And then I'm like, yo, what do you mean? Like you you guys are always talking about how Hartman wasn't good. I'm like, he wasn't. No, the in the games he was brought here was just good. He wasn't nothing else. He wasn't who you expected him to be. Yeah, and I don't think they want to admit the truth on that. You expected him to be in New York. Heisman, winning these games, playoffs. Everybody was writing these stories. Everybody. No. We just went. We just went even further and said he wasn't better than Jack Cone. That's all. And we don't mind. We we stand on that. That's right. We stand on that. So it comes from a a debate that I made on IV Left when I said it's amazing how the narrative changes based upon the media and the fan bases. Because Caleb DeBoer had terrible game plans. In increment weather and 30 mile per hour winds with Michael Penix. He didn't change anything. He didn't lean on the running game. He had Michael Penix in a 30 mile per hour wind throwing the ball 40 times. Just just crazy. Crazy. And the offense was sputtering. Three straight games. Everybody was asking, what's wrong with Michael Penix? Nobody was questioning Caleb DeBoer. Nobody. No, nobody. Hey, no. Caleb DeBoer made some awful decisions last night. Yeah, almost lost awful it for him. Awful play call. Almost lost it for him, for and sure. Almost lost the game and allowed Oregon to get back in the game. Just awful. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> the Washington defense saved Caleb DeBoer's butt. Three straight weeks. Nobody said a word about it. Nobody. So I don't care if he's a better play call. Objectivity doesn't change based upon the person. Either the person did a bad job on that particular day or they didn't. Caleb DeBoer has been questionable as a play caller at the end of this season. He had questionable moments in the Pac-12 championship game. You know the difference, Left? You know the difference? His team found a way to win. Yes. And the dude, he has dudes. Yeah, I mean, you got dudes on the outside. Running back, quarterback. He doesn't have a fourth-round quarterback. Ladies and gentlemen. Sam Hartman is a fourth-round quarterback. I don't care how many yards he's I don't. Yeah, for. I don't care how many yards. He's a fourth-round from a He's a fourth-round NFL quarterback. Michael Penix Jr. is a first-round. And it just shows itself during the season. It's not us making this up. It's like, look at, the see, look at how the season is going. He's a first-round NFL quarterback. Rome Oduze is a first-round NFL quarterback. Who is, I mean, wide receiver? Who is the first-round wide receiver that was on the roster for Notre Dame this year? Who? Can't name one. And we lost four of them. 
Oh, we lost four of them. Can't still can't name one. The McMillan kid was projected as a first round wide receiver before he got injured early this year. So he'll probably end up second round. When they needed a big third down conversion, they went to Oduze and they went to McMillan to close the game out. And oh, Caleb DeBoer, so brilliant. You know how he ended the games left? You know how he Running ended the, the games? football in that toss? Toss Why sweep left, it? toss sweep right. Like we he, told him. Because he almost had it to play before he came back to it, which is smart. Because he thought he wasn't going to come back to it. Left. While he was trying to get cute with reverses and stuff in the second quarter and third quarter, what did we say while we were doing the show? He needed to hand that ball off. because Hand the ball score. off to Dylan yeah. Johnson, man. What are you doing? Oregon Dylan Johnson doesn't, was running like a madman. Oregon does not want that smoke, man. They are a finesse team. They don't want that smoke. And once Jordan Birch went out, who's their best defensive lineman against the running pass, and they couldn't get a rush, they took the two big plugs, run stoppers, out and went with smaller guys inside to try and get a pass rush. Dude, they were inviting Washington to run the ball. Yeah, they wanted Washington to run it. It is, yo. Come on, man. We have to, if you're going to be a true contender, the quarterback has to be a dude. Wide receiver, you got to find a dude. You have to. That's the way college football is right now. It is what it is. So, yeah, that's questionable. It a lot easier, man, because dudes can save a bad coaching job because all it takes is one time to lose, you know. So, Washington this year is just that fortunate. Everything that they've needed has been right there under their nose, you know. Dan Lanning, my brother, you thought you was going to get off stock free this morning? Absolutely not. Three timeouts? And you onside? What? But they're a gimmick team. They're going to beat you from gimmicks. Those are, oh, you got me. You're going to hit me over the head. You're going to trick me. You're one of those kind of guys. Man, look, bro. And see, this is the thing, bro. You know something that's overrated, left? What's overrated? Scheme. Scheme is overrated. Let me tell you why, okay? The greatest defenses in NFL history are known for playing one scheme. Tampa, they play cover two. The Chicago Bears, cover two. Chicago Bears of 85, 46. The Ravens, on their special said, you, we usually lined up and played two to three defenses all year. What is, all year. What does that mean, Left? Scheme don't mean a damn thing. You know what means something? Having players, bro. 
Because when That's you have it. stud players, you can take the most simplistic scheme and be great. That's why scheme is overrated, bro. Scheme is overrated. Johnny, dude, Johnny Box triangle offense don't mean nothing without Michael Jordan, Scotty, Shaq. It, it, it means nothing. Can't get nothing done either. Every other team that's tried to run a triangle that didn't have those pieces, the offense stunk. It stunk. Georgia runs a very basic offense. Very basic. They just run crossing routes. They run screens, crossers. That's all they run because they have a young quarterback. Very simple. But you know what they have? Playmakers. Difference makers. So let's talk about scheme. The most elaborate scheme offensively is Oregon, right? Yeah, elaborate gimmick. Okay. They keep calling this stuff a gimmick. I don't believe How did Oregon, when Oregon had to actually face a physical team? It was tough. Didn't they, they were 0-2 this year, right? It was tough. It was tough. Because all the cute stuff didn't look effective. Because they were just getting tackled in the open field. And it looked like bad plays. It was like, man, what are you guys calling? Another day is here. And you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Now it's the difference between scheme and play calling. Right? You can have the simplest scheme, but if you don't know how to set it up, you point this out. You said, man, I wasn't sure Caleb DeBoer was going to go back to the tall sweep. I wasn't they, sure. I was because I, I saw it. Because they almost broke it. Yeah, they, they almost, almost broke it on second they down. almost broke that one. I hope he keep it basic, you know. Mm-hmm. He almost broke it on second down. He went right back to it to the opposite side on third down. Because he could tell that Oregon defense, they, didn't, man, they were hoping that Washington threw the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they was they was banking on it. It was like, please throw throw the no. ball. We'll take our chance there. Come come yeah. tackle somebody. Yeah, come, come tackle there. somebody. And he was running hard, Johnson. He was running hard. Absolutely. Alabama this year. Let's see. 
This is what Alabama this year. Nick Saban said, you know what? We're running the ball, throwing deep. Jalen Milrow, make plays. That's it. Simple also do. Yeah. Tommy Reese is running the same plays he ran in the Gator Bowl, which was a simple game plan, dude. Passes to the running back in the flat, deep passes like to Braden Lindsey coming across on the post. The same plays he ran in the Gator Bowl. Nothing exotic. You know what he has? He has a difference maker. And oh, yeah, you got, you got Burton, difference makers. He and a difference maker at quarterback. So all this credit we want to give the coaches, that's why people are being ridiculous now, trying to throw dirt on quite possibly the greatest coach in NFL history. You know why? Because all the players he had are gone. And that, gone. Patriot, that Patriots way without the players it don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. Don't mean a darn thing. And that's why we see players moving the way they're moving in the transfer portal because players recognize, yo, this stuff doesn't work without us. Jimbo Fisher is not sitting on 76 million without Jameis Winston because he hasn't done a darn thing since that. Nothing. His whole legacy as a head coach is built on Jameis Winston at quarterback. Well the, well, the whole narrative of him being some offensive genius is built off of Jameis Winston, making him look good for them two seasons in a row. Gus Malzone. He's done okay since he left Auburn. But Gus Malzone has some dudes when they made it to the championship game. Uh, who was Cam Newton's uh, coach at uh, Auburn, bro? I'm trying to think because it wasn't it wasn't Gus Mazon. Oh, I mean, Marcus Freeman winning in an environment like this would make me believe he's a good coach. Yeah, Gene Chizik. <laughs> Gene Chizik. Have you heard anything about Gene Chizik since Cam Newton left? Nah, he went to North Carolina, just couldn't get it right. That's when he couldn't had Mr. Right. Biscuit over there. Yeah, thank you for proving my point. He didn't have a dude. We get so caught up, man. On schemes and coaching, and dude, it has its place. Nothing is more important than having dudes, man. Norvell at Florida State was mid as a coach. He was, was mid. Remember him at Arizona State? Mid. Just a big mid burger. All of a sudden, Keon Coleman comes over with some other transfers. George Travis gets better. All of a sudden, oh, what a great job Mike Norvell has done. Come on, man. That's right. Come on, man. Jordan Travis made him. Like, come on, dude. The like, scheme is only as good as the guys you got, and that's what makes coaching so hard is because a lot of these egghead scheme guys don't know how to fit what they do to the players they got. So it goes down to a couple ways of getting it done. Either you're a master recruiter to fit a system, but you can't coach. You're a great coach that can't use your system to the players, or you find that mix and you get players that are really good that fit what you do. Marcus Freeman has a bunch of players that he can't get the most out of, and that's a lot due to, in my opinion, relationships and chemistry. 
Coach Vic, dude, great point. Alabama, Jamison Williams goes down. Bryce great Young team. was up. Bryce Young was up Alcohol Creek with cuts, with razor cuts. Ohio State dominating Georgia. All of a sudden, Marvin Harrison Jr. gets hurt. What look happened? How fast, look at just look how fast the game changed, though. What happened? So all this scheme stuff, dude. Take away the players. Take away the great players from the greatest scheme and play caller, and watch how good he looks. He's gonna look real questionable. Real questionable. So I don't do it. I'll trade. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a question. I'll ask you a question, Left LL Nation, good morning to you. Those that are joining us this morning, we're going to get into the matchups in a second on championship weekend. Left, who, in your opinion, is the best play caller in college football? This year, the best play caller in college football? Yes. I'd have to say Liberty. Liberty okay. and, and Coach Jake and Jamie Chadwell over there at Liberty, the way they get everybody involved, the way they have fun with their offense, they fun to watch, and they're consistent because they run the football and then they got a quarterback that can make the throws when he needs to. I mean, it's a beautiful way of watching their offense make everything look easy with the different options in their run game. So Liberty has the best play calling, and, and I wish Notre Dame would use a little bit of it. My next question to you, Left, is who is the best skill position group from a team in college football? Running back, wide receiver, quarterback. Um, I like what Washington's been able to do. As an offensive okay. unit, receivers are consistent, running back is Efficient, not the lead of the team, but efficient. Got a call. Okay. Okay. And obviously, the quarterback's making it work because Ohio State and USC have a lot of great talent at receiver, but doesn't have the run game to complement it efficiently as well. Okay. So you took Washington, skill players, and Jamie Chatwell as the best play call. Oh, it's undeniable because if you if you could bring one to South Bend, would you bring Jamie Chatwell or would you bring the Washington playmakers? I would bring the playmakers. Because we will you'll find a coach that'll be like, oh I know how to use this and that. Or even if it's not a great play call, I got some playmakers that can make it make it down and eight. Third down and they game on the line. I just need a back shoulder. I don't need a scheme. I need a back shoulder. I need a tough first down run. And that's what playmakers. That's that's all I'm saying, man. And I would think most people would agree with you, Left. Give me the playmakers over the coach, bro. Give me the playmakers all. You know how many NBA coaches are just okay coaches? 
Yeah, you saw yesterday Washington had a whole bunch of questionable calls late in the game. They went for the double reverse on third and one instead of handing it vertically. They rolling out on fourth down instead of just running, being physical up front. Mm-hmm. So, coach, he can definitely lose it for you for sure. Heck, he uh, he tried to lose it last night until he finally realized, like, oh snap, I guess my running back is kind of dominating this game. And like. It's smart to give my quarterback some help. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll give my quarterback, who pretty much dropped dimes all the first half, I'll give him some help. What a novel, simple idea. Turn around and hand the ball off and dominate the line of scrimmage. Simple football. So that, that was interesting. And then I learned on Twitter last night that Marcus Freeman hated Chancey Stuckey, which I never knew. I was like, wow, this is news to me. This is uh, it's laughable. If you have a question, GTB, get to the bag, let us know. Speaking of Jaden Daniels, left before we get to the next game, um, What's your read, which is Texas, Oklahoma State? What's your read on the uh, the Heisman race after last night? Well, you know, I'm biased. I think Penix definitely deserves it. The Pac-12 was the hardest conference week to week, in my opinion. And for them to run the table and to win the close games and have the moments they did and the most complete team outside of Georgia that they have, mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer. You know, nobody – expecting them to do this well. They expected it to be a USC or a Colorado or Oregon, but they were able to stay consistent all season, and Michael Penix has been there from the beginning. So I think that is one of the storybook seasons. I think they're better than what TCU was on a run with last year. I think they actually posed a threat to a Georgia the same way Ohio State did last Mm -hmm. year. So if any team was going to have a – uh, something to say about Georgia, well, at least their offense versus Georgia's defense is Washington. It, it's you know what's amazing to me, left. This I think it's going to end up being a really close race between Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix Jr. And now it comes down to the debate of who is the best player in college football. And who was the best player on the best team in college football? That's right. Yeah, Jaden Davis is not going to win by the fault of his team. Standard we hold the Heisman to, we usually go for the guy that uh, has the best record on the best team. And I think Jaden Daniels' numbers, if the mm-hmm. wins were to match it, he would be a more serious um be in more serious contention of actually winning it but Jaden daniels from just a number standpoint deserves to be in in uh in new york i think it's going to be a very interesting vote i think higher voters will be split Jaden daniels would probably win the south 
and the East regions. And this is when regions matter. And um, Frank, that's a really good point. With Washington coming into the Big Ten, people in the Midwest now might be willing to give their votes to a guy from the West in comparison to previous years. That's a very interesting thing to watch when the breakdown comes out from the voting. But I definitely, Pennick should dominate in the West. He should dominate in the Midwest. Daniel should dominate the South. And I think it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be a close vote, man. I really do. It shouldn't be, though. I mean, you know, I think the moments stand out for what they do. And it's hard to look past anything that Michael Penix has been able to to do as an undefeated guy. You know, I mean, Jaden Daniels' numbers are there. But you can't look past that. Don't forget to go to Lucky Lefty Podcast for our fan survey of the 2023 regular season. The poll is up now. What are your feelings about the 2023 regular season, Notre Dame fans? Are you highly satisfied, satisfied, disappointed, highly disappointed, or is it what you expected? Once again, what are your feelings about the 2023 regular season? Are you highly satisfied, satisfied, disappointed, highly disappointed, or did things go as you expected? Go vote right now at the Lucky Lefty Podcast page on YouTube. Let's see. Jay I, think it's, I think it's exactly what we expected it to be. Mm. The, the, everything was set up in front of us to control our own fate. And the people we put in positions, we knew what the talent level was. We were just hoping that the pieces around it would would elevate the play of that position. And it just wasn't enough talent to overcome that. And I think being good just isn't good enough for what our expectations was as a fan base. And we end up getting exactly what I believe we would in the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. And, and, And that's because we based it off, in my opinion, the right way to look at it. It was a three-game schedule that we hired a higher gun for. We believed that he may not have the talent to solo beat them by themselves, but we believed we had the, the, the pieces around it to make it close to get to a last possession game. And we were hoping the experience would, would override what we lacked from the position. And it just wasn't what we, wasn't what we hoped for. But we saw where the where the ceiling was for the guy that we asked to come do such a challenge. Now, moving forward, I don't think the challenge is as big. I don't think the challenge is as big in the regular season moving forward because of the two season type of uh, setup. So it, it development is is even more important, especially getting ready to try to put yourself in that last. Uh, college football playoffs. It's interesting, Left, because someone said if Notre Dame had gone undefeated this year, they would still be struggling to get in the college football playoff. It is a crowded room, but Notre Dame undefeated. 
makes it into the college football. We're in there. We're in there easy. We're in there yeah. easy. Just from a we, business standpoint. Yeah, we in there with Georgia and who else is in there outside of us too. That's Michigan. the thing about Notre Dame. All we need to do is just do our part. Yeah. We don't we're not like a like a liberty that's gotta win and hope other people lose or a team that we gotta buy votes to to get in and convince people. If we do our part, we're in there. It's that simple. Because they're not going to keep us out with an undefeated season, period. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Liberty, their win over New Mexico State. Um, they pretty much deserve to uh, be in an NY6, in your opinion, left. Yeah, when you talk about one of the more exciting teams in college football to be so consistent and they're really good as a team, both sides of the football are well complete, uh, a completely – well organized guys are on the same page everybody's having a season they probably want it and it, and it shows they having fun out there and they putting up points so from a, a business standpoint and even being there at their their game i mean they really love liberty football they run their games like a professional stadium they even got the the concession stand smell right you know how when that concession stand smell right and you don't even know where the concession is, but you smell it around <laughs> the building? Yeah, yeah. You smell it around the stadium. Like, oh, they really, I really got the vibes here. They had people that you had to talk to to, to walk you to your seat. I'm like, this is a, this ain't no, this, a, this ain't an SEC school. Right. They do it right over there, man. Liberty does it right. So they their fan base is all the way invested, deserve a New Year's Six Bowl because they going to show up. You know, it ain't going to be like us where if we play in a halfway team that we feel like we can beat, we just going for the festivities and vacation. <laughs> but Liberty football is going to show up to that game. So they 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 got all the right things, and they made up of all the right stuff this year. They deserve to get a chance in there. Against a good team. I don't want to see them go against no middle of the road team. Give them against a team that nobody thinks they're going to win, I guarantee you, is going to go to the final, final snap. And shout out to, it was good to see Jerry Kill, head coach for New Mexico State, who pretty much uh, established uh, the Northern Illinois Husky program, his time there. Jerry Kill did a fantastic job establishing Northern Illinois, and Northern Illinois has been able to build upon that since he left to go take, I think he left to go take the Minnesota job. And then, unfortunately, things didn't go as well in Minnesota, but. He rebuilt that New Mexico State program and got a huge win on the road at Auburn. So tip of the cap, Jerry Kill. They put up an excellent fight against Liberty on the road. Just wasn't able to get it done. Wasn't able to get it done. That's right. But New Mexico State has been a scrappy team all season. So mm -hmm. for them to be New Mexico State, they definitely um, changed some heads this year. Eric Spadell gives us a super chat left. He says, I think this has been one of the most, uh, Sean's keyword, dysfunctional seasons I've ever seen, and I'm tired of wasting potential winning seasons. Eric, I feel you, bro. I, I feel you. Hey. 
the season was definitely there for the taking. Season was definitely there for the taking. It was there, but we didn't answer the key questions we needed to. No. The key questions we needed to answer was who is the go-to guy when the game get tight, when we can't just give it to all five of our running backs. Yeah. And we didn't have an answer for that. We started throwing true freshmen in there, tight ends. We started handing the ball off in third and long situations. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not good football. But when you watch these top teams, it's no question who they're going to. The best team in the country in Georgia, third down is Brock Bauer down. And you got to defend whether he's going to run it, catch it, screen it. But you know on third down is going to. And they're not hiding. We didn't have a player like that. We had a player that could run the football tough. Yeah. But it was as a very one-dimensional way of going to your best player on third down. Yeah. We were caught in too many situations where Sam got the ball on fourth and third down running around. How is that how is that possible? How is Sam running on fourth down twice in the Ohio State game? Fourth and one, Sam got the ball both times. Why? Why? Fourth down and one, it's gotta go to your best player every time. I don't care mm-hmm. if the defense knows it or not. I don't care if defense knows it or not. So understanding that about us is something that I wish we would latch on to more because it comes in clutch when the games matter. Mm-hmm. When Washington said the game was on the line, me and you both know who they were going to go to, and we're not even on the team. Yeah. Me and you both knew who they needed, what they needed to do to win, and the game wasn't even over yet. You would have thought me and you was in the locker room. At halftime, making adjustments. Because we said the same thing. We used our eyes and noticed right away. Oh, they better hand that ball to that running back. That's seven yards of carry. And what they do late game? Went to him twice in the last two minutes. What mm-hmm. do we do in late game? Take the guy that we hand the ball off to off the field. We take him off the field. He gives us eight yards on the first carry, and we take him off for the next three. Washington tosses it to him left, runs another play, and tosses it to him right in the clutch. That's the difference. Simple. They do what it takes to win, and we make it too hard because don't know and don't believe in the players to make the play. Period. Jared Parker didn't trust Audrey Gastamay to win that game against Ohio State. He trusted Sam Hartman. People are caping for a quarterback left that the head coach said got spooked at Clemson, bro. That's what we're doing. We're riding for a quarterback that got spooked. Yeah. As a fifth-year player, oh, he's an accomplished quarterback. He got spooked. At Clemson, what 
Really? It wasn't Halloween. There were no ghosts out, no demons and goblins out there. You 50 games in, it ain't nothing spooking you. I want to hear that. You got a better old line than you ever had. One-on-ones on the outside that you probably haven't seen a lot of. You getting spooked? Come on, man. That's that within itself. It was 12 in the middle of the day. It wasn't even dark outside. No. wasn't Death Valley at night. And you spooked? In the middle of the day, walking apart. Sun didn't even begin to set because the game was so early. So I'm not I'm not going for that. Said that man was spooked, left. Let's get to some of these G- get to the bad questions. Lilo Galante, what does Gino? This is a good question for you, left, because. What does Gino uh, Gadouli bring to the offense besides being a quarterback whisperer? Does he bring a lot of input to this offense? What's Gino's and Jared Parker's relationship in terms of chemistry? We're going to find out in the spring because I just don't believe that Gino had a – I don't believe that Gino felt like his impact would be felt in a season where he can't really get his hands on the guy. It wasn't until halfway in the middle towards the end of the season where I even was seeing Gino talk to Sam. First mm-hmm. four games, I couldn't find Gino around Sam other than give him a high five. I think, like I said all the time, Gino's check will start being counted this spring because we're going to have to see what Kenny, Minchie, and Steve have been working on with you. How much are you really getting Sam better that's 50 games in, doesn't know the offense just like you don't know it as well? I don't see the impact that he really has because, I mean, Gino comes from the RPO and all of that, so that wasn't even what we was doing. Mm-hmm. So I think Gino's first day, I want to see what you put out there with the guys that you've been with the whole season in the background. What he's going to offer is hopefully telling Jared Parker what his guys are good at and what they're not. You had a whole season of witness. Whole season is kind of pick their brains and get on the same page. So it's, it'll jumpstart us by doing that. What's going to back what's going to backfire on us is if we bring in another dude who don't know the offense, who's one and done. That's going to hurt the room. But also, what are you trying to get out of it? We don't need to win now. Our schedule is way lighter than years before. So, what are you? What is the message you're sending by bringing in another guy out of nowhere? And you've been cultivating guys in the room. What does it mean? I mean, it's the third year doing it. Yeah. We don't need to do it anymore. Yeah. So, it's really a catch twenty-two for Gino, because. What's the point of being a coach if you're taking in first-year guys every year? You got to get first-year guys every year to, to 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 learn something when you've been working with dudes in the room every year in the background getting them ready. So what are you going to go back and tell those dudes in the room? Well, I know I told you we're going to get you ready for next year, but I'm going to have to start over with a fresh new guy. 
I mean, what is this, an internship or playing quarterback? Oh, 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 oh